the following program may contain adult situations and language that may be unsuitable for younger listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Live from the RTDS studios, this is Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo, proudly sponsored by National Fitness Training, with your host, Chuck Basti. Chuck's personal mission is to introduce the world to the people that motivate him on his inspirational journey into his world of infinite mojo. Here's your host, Chuck Basti. That's me! Tuesday, 8 p.m., Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. Here we are. Tuesday already. Yep. Unbelievable. I know. Time flies. Well, we're in for a treat today. We have Paul Henderson calling into the studio to, today. Awesome. He is a little-known figure known for scoring games 6, 7, and 8, winning goals against the Soviet Union in the Summit Series in 1972, and his book, The Goal of My Life, is what we're going to be talking today on Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. Bit of a journeyman, huh? Bit of a journeyman. Great story. Stay tuned. You're listening to Chuck's World Infinite Mojo. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hi, it's Paul Capilcante, host of The Vinyl Experience, with a couple of magic numbers for you to remember. This is real simple. Are you ready? Here we go. Nine and three. Every Sunday at 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 9 p.m., and for good measure, 3 a.m. on Monday. This is all Eastern Time, your times for the vinyl experience. Welcome back to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. 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 Mojo! Yeah, we stole that. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. We got a special guest on the phone. We do. We have um, this guy actually played a small role. In, very small, very small role. Yeah, in a uh, in a little known series called the Summit Series in 1972 mm. uh, between Team Canada and the former Soviet Union. And uh, how he small ac- was his role? He, well, he good good question. He actually uh, chimed in, I think, at the very end with I think might have scored scored a game winning goal in Game Six. I think he might have scored another game winning goal in Seven. And in Game Eight, I think he came up bigger and scored a really big goal in that one. Um, and he beat a slough like. Some guy named Vladislav Trechak. I heard of him, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, uh, he, he had a cup of coffee with the Soviet Union. Never played in the NHL, though, that guy. So well, there you w- go. Yeah, it wasn't all that great. Yeah. Anyways, we're being very facetious here because we're very excited to have the wonderful Canadian icon Paul Henderson with us today. Paul, are you with us? I sure am, boys. I hope you can actually stomach some of the sarcasm I was throwing you <laughs> away because I imagine you've never really heard that beginning before, you know, having 42 years of having to hear about this goal that they scored. But what I want to actually talk about today is is your book. Paul Henderson wrote a book called The Goal of My Life. And what we're going to talk to Paul today about is the goal of his life. And my first question for you, Paul, is, Paul, what is the goal of your life? Well, it's actually a purpose statement that a mentor had me work on. Um, 35 years ago, and um, I, it is to be a godly world change agent. That's the purpose of my life. It uh, comes right down to my station, or my uh, purpose statement. And so, uh, godly, what does that mean? That means to live each and every day in a manner worthy and pleasing of the Lord. 
uh, I decided that maybe I scored that goal for a reason, and so I decided I was going to try to use it as widely as I could, so the word world. And because of that, uh, Eleanor and I have been to over 20 countries around the world telling individuals, businessmen, that there's a God that loves them and wants them to get to know him. And then the last thing, a change agent. Uh, obviously, I had a couple of mentors, Mel Stevens and John Bradford. Mel Stevens led me to the Lord then started mentoring me. And then John Bradford, a businessman in Birmingham, Alabama, got me in a men's group for three years and absolutely changed my life in terms of my walk with the Lord. And he modeled, modeled what it was to be a husband, a father, uh, even a hockey player in terms of what was expected of you and changed my life radically. And so I decided I wanted to be a change agent also. And so for the last 30 years, I've been uh, in a full-time, well, I've started to founded a men's ministry, and uh, that's what I've been doing the last 30, almost 31 years. Well, I love it in your book here, and I'm just going to read out of the introduction, you know, because you've probably asked, been asked this question hundreds of thousands of times. The quote is, but if you ask me the question, what is the goal of your life? Then you might be surprised to hear my answer. That goal was my on heist highlight without question. How can it not be? But I read that question, di question differently. The goal of a person's life has nothing to do with the kind of goals a hockey player scores on the ice. The goal of a person's life is their purpose, their personal answer as to why they are on this planet and what they want to do with their life. It took me a long time to answer that question for myself and a lot of soul searching, but the goal of my life has nothing to do with any hockey game. Todd, when I read that quote, <clears throat> it was profoundly you know, altering for me. You know, here is a huge moment. But, Paul, what I want to ask you about is that goal in 72, do you believe that goal was given to you there to open doors for you, to show you a different path that you were designed or destined to, to stride into uh, that you didn't have the tools with in 72, but come 75, your eyes are open to a different way? Well, that's a really good question. And when I get to heaven, that's going to be one of the questions I have for the Lord. Okay, let's talk about this goal. Uh, certainly, in 1972, I had no spiritual dimension to my life whatsoever. Uh, you know, I didn't become a Christian until 1975. And so it was uh, much later. But a lot of people have told me of that. And uh, so who, who knows for sure? I mean, it'll, it's all a conjecture until I get to heaven and then... I'm going to ask the Lord, and uh, and He'll tell me. <laughs> it's just amazing that you know you were a leader on the ice by scoring those three critical goals, and then you've you've taken that that goal, translated into a, another type of goal, and become a different kind of leader. Uh, no question about it. Uh, and all I did was replicate what John Bradford and Mel Stevens did for me, and that's what I've been doing. Uh, the things that I've learned from the two of those that. Uh, obviously impacted my life in a significant way. And now, 30 years later, I can look over my shoulder and uh, like there's a lot of people in that book that wrote statements in terms of the significant impact that I've had on their life. And one of the things I want to talk about is after 72, I, I can't imagine being a small town, small town boy from Lucknow, just outside of Concordia, which I've actually been to, believe it or not. <laughs> we actually went lawn bowling in Lucknow once. It's, it's crazy. But you've, you've written something in chapter one that says, it is wise to follow your passion in life. If you aren't passionate about something, there is little chance you can be excited about it and enjoy what you do. 
And then you have this life-altering career moment where you score the, the goal of the century, as it's been called. And now you have to deal with all this publicity, all this, you know, business issues coming up. You know, Harold Ballard, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the jump to the WHA. And you're, you probably weren't equipped at that time to deal with all that. So instead of having it being a great moment, it actually turns out to be probably not your worst nightmare, but, you know, significant blockage there. So tell me about that, that journey for you, Paul, of what was the transitional point between 72 and 75? Well, it, it it was a you know obviously I've been writing that goal for forty two years so it was <laughs> I mean it was just a wonderful ride but the other side of that is that um, you're you're uh, you know there's totally an invasion of your privacy anymore like you're on the spotlight all the time and uh, it uh, you know and probably and I know I didn't handle it well especially on the ice because. You know, every time they, near the end of the game, the, tie, the game was tied, you could just sense the people People were saying, get Henderson out there, you know, <laughs> he'll score a goal. And, you know, I probably put far too much pressure on, on myself. Instead of just going out and playing the game, I really tried to carry it and then tried to do things that I really shouldn't have been trying to do on the ice. So it was frustrating uh, from that point. But the the thing about my life is from growing up, I grew up poor and all I wanted to do be was successful. Yeah, you know, like I wanted to have a, I wanted to play hockey. I wanted to have a good family and wife and everything like that. And, uh, uh, you know, then in 72, I mean, I had all those things plus a little bit of fame, but I would say to my wife, there's something missing. And it was, you know, it's, it's really sad when you have everything you ever thought you'd want and deep down inside, you know, there's something missing but you haven't a clue what it is. Yeah. And you become very frustrated. And thank goodness, Mel Stevens came along and encouraged me to look at the spiritual dimension of life. And I, I certainly didn't think I was looking for the answer. I didn't think that was the answer to start with. And it wasn't only after I became a Christian, and even, maybe even for a couple of years, I woke up one day and, man, this is, this is what I should have been pursuing all the time. I and I, I think that God wants us to... In, you know, enjoy our life, enjoy the things we do, but the whole key of that is making sure that he is the center of your life, and when he is the center of your life, uh, then everything, then you can enjoy the other things. You don't have the tremendous ups and downs the way I did. Like, if we won and I scored a couple of goals, man, it was terrific, And but if we lost and I didn't play well, I was lower than a snake's belly. And then you become a Christian and you recognize that your responsibility is go out there and do the best you can every shift. And when you do that and you win, you're very happy, uh, but you don't get too big for your shoes because you know you got to play the next game and it's going to right back to ground zero. But the other, the good news for me is you don't get under the pile. I used to beat myself up. Oh, man. But then, you know, you just after you hated losing, but when I lost and all I could say, as long as I knew that I'd gone out there and done give it my very best i didn't get under the pile okay well uh, you know we got another game and we'll uh, get it going the next game so it's 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 easy to actually to hear your words and say when you lose that you're lower than a snake's belly 
However, when you're on top of the world and you still feel lower than a snake's belly, like there's power in that story and sharing that to people out there who don't have everything that they want in their life. You, after 1972, were a vaunted celebrity, you know, given status of, you know, Order of Canada has been given to you for this goal, the goal of the century, team of the century, and yet you still have this incompleteness inside of you and you don't know why. So what was the draw for you and how did you get through those roadblocks? Well, I just, uh, like I said, I did. I, I was saying to my wife, there's something missing, and and I didn't have a clue where to look. But it was when Mel Stevens uh, got me to look at the spiritual dimension of life, and I spent over two years with him, reading the Bible, asking questions. I was such a skeptic. I looked at people with a, you know, religious side of their life as people that couldn't make it in life. And if you can't make it, then you got to ask for help. <laughs> uh, you know, in... in and God is sort of your crutch, and I didn't think I need any crutch at that point, but then you, what, as you got into it, you find out that God loves you, unconditionally loves you, and wants you to get to know Him. And uh, so, I mean, that excited me, but I still didn't put the two and two together that this would ease the aching in my heart. Well, as, as I started to grow and develop, you wake up one day and said, man, this is what I've always looked for. This is where the peace of God comes from. And then, and the reality of it is that, you know, the, the Bible tells you nobody gets a wrinkle-free life. And then when I got cancer five years ago, uh, uh, then by faith, then you find out what's really, do you have faith or not? And, uh, you know, I honestly say I've had no angst or fear of dying whatsoever because I believe my days are in God's hands. And my responsibility is take them one at a time and try to live the best way that, uh, you know, I'm walking with him. Yeah, and I want to cover more of that faith on the backside right now because um, it, it, it's worth an entire half of a show just to talk a little that with Paul Anderson right so now. So before we go to break, your purpose doesn't end on this earth then. That's what you're saying. Well, no, I, I believe this is just, I believe we're spiritual beings and we're going to, the great thing about heaven, God says there's never going to be a tear shed, but I have no idea what's going to be there. But, you know, the Bible tells us we eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nobody can even comprehend what God's got prepared for. And so that sounds awful good to me, but I love the golf. And I'll tell you, one of my great, uh, one of the dreams that I haven't accomplished yet is I've not played Augusta National Golf Course. Now I've caddied down there for Mark Amira in a par three tournament, but in the heaven, but uh, uh, Augusta National will be a dog track. That's what I tell people. <laughs> it's going to be so good that Augusta will be a dog track. <laughs> well, stay tuned. We've got more with Paul Henderson on the other side of the break. You're listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on Listen Up Talk Radio and Radio That Doesn't Suck. We'll be right back. Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo, or as we like to call it around here, whatever the hell's on Chuck's mind, on radio that doesn't suck. Oh, 
if you guys could be listening to all the chatter in between commercials. Oh, it's such a joy to have Paul Henderson with us today. Yeah. You know, Paul, what I wanted to talk about on the back end is I really wanted to talk about what is faith to you. So we've talked about your transition from 72 into 75 and fulfilling that life purpose for you, the goal of your life. Um, and now you're actually in a battle right now with cancer and faith comes into play. So the, the muscle that you've been exercising for the past 30 years of belief, which is exercised in the belief of faith, now comes in. And reading the back end of your book, talking about this battle, what I want to ask you right now is, what is faith to you and how has it worked for your life? Well, you, you, you put your faith in something. And I've decided to put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, back in March 12, 1975, I decided to embrace uh, uh, Christianity, and because of some good pastors, uh, reading good books and great mentoring, I've developed some deep spiritual roots, and so I get up every day and uh, I have a chat with the Lord, and I thank the Lord for loving me. I'm convinced that He died for me, and I'm convinced that He's uh, sent His Holy Spirit to empower me to live in a manner worthy and pleasing to Him, and so uh doesn't matter what's going on in my life, I unashamedly asked for help. I said, Lord, uh, you know how weak I am on my own, but uh, I- I'm going to trust you. And I, you tell me uh, not to worry, not to be fearful, and so uh, I, I just uh, I need help in those situations. And you tell us that you came, that we would have life and have it abundantly, and so I think that means that he wants us to live the best way we can, enjoy, uh, slow things down, enjoy uh, uh, the cardinals uh, that are out in my backyard, uh, the blue jays, the beauty of it, uh, enjoy my uh, wonderful relationship that I've had with my wife for the last 52 years, and now I've got grandchildren to to deal with. And so I just simply uh, start the day with the Lord, and okay, Lord, uh, let's get down the road. And so when I got cancer... Okay, Lord, this is, uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll handle this. I certainly didn't want to ask for cancer, but the really interesting thing, I was journaling, I was diagnosed in November of uh, of um, 09. And, but in about the middle of January, one morning I was journaling, and I said to the Lord, Lord, I, 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 I don't think you gave me cancer. I don't think that whatsoever. But I, I, I really believe you know I have cancer. But this morning I can thank you uh, that I do have cancer because there was this little praise song I used to sing all the time. All for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. All my ambitions, hopes, and plans, I surrender these into your hands. And I would say to the Lord, I would really love to sing that with conviction. All your ambitions, hopes, and plans, I surrender these into your hands. And I said, uh, I can actually say that with conviction this morning. All my ambition, hopes, and plans, I surrender these into your hands, because I really believe that you control the breath that I breathe. And so uh, I I was so thankful that I could just absolutely say that and believe it. And then, of course, you try to live it. And so the cancer, I'm such a control person, and turning, surrendering to somebody is not my first (laughs) You know, that's not my first thought, but uh, uh, there's just a wonderful sense of freedom when you're able to do that, when you're able to just turn everything over to God and say, okay, God, you're the ruler of everything, my life and everything. There's a a wonderful freedom in that. You know, there really, really is. You know, I think if you can actually 
bottle that, you would start with with vulnerability. You know, because you have to be vulnerable before you can actually utter the word surrender. And if you're uttering the word surrender, it's not because you're saying that you're weak. It's you're saying that I'm strong, and I'm actually strong enough. Strong enough to ask for help because I realize that I can't do it all on my own. That I'm not just the one vessel here working alone. And when you can actually open up that way, like Paul, what you just described for me is the words peace of mind. And, you know, every hockey player that plays in the NHL right now, they're under such scrutiny with the millions of dollars that they make, the accountability that goes along with that contract um, or their abilities on the ice. And I find very few of them have peace of mind in their lives and they're caught in a world of survival and struggle. Even though they've lived the Canadian dream, they've got their goals um, attained by making it to the NHL, having financial freedom, and yet... You use the word there, and very few of them have freedom in their life from peace of mind. So what do you think the difference is inside of why they don't have that freedom? Well, I can't speak for anybody else. All I can speak for myself. Uh, that's where, that's the only person that I know, you know, knew on the inside and out. So I, I can't speak for other players, but just like I, I shared, uh, I, I was looking for it. I think everybody is looking for it. I think everybody wants to be loved and accepted and uh, feel a part of something. And so, uh, and you can get a lot of satisfaction out of a great marriage and family and success. And, uh, there's, I mean, uh, I think everybody should go after those things because I think there's nothing wrong with them. But it's the soul. It's the uh, taking care of your soul that I had no clue of how to do. And and I think that's why God made us in a way that we'll never be satisfied. I don't think anybody can be possibly satisfied without bringing God into your life, because I think he, as Augustine said, he put that God-shaped void in our life. And for me, at least, I know I can only speak for myself, that's the, when I filled that up with the Lord and really got to know him in a deep and personal way then there was no void in my life. And that's why you, uh, you know, you can handle the things that come along. Uh, and he says, you know, you will have trouble in this world. God promises you will have trouble. But he says, you know, don't worry, fear. I am there and I'll help you through it. Hmm. I want to go to the end of your book here. So at the end of the last chapter, it says, the goal of my life was scored on September 28th, 1972 in Moscow. It was such a fantastic moment for me and for all Canadians, and I'm so thankful for it. I will cherish it forever. But to live my life the way I have lived since I became a Christian, to live a life that pleases Him, to be His godly world change agent, that is the real goal of my life. And I thank God that I've been able to pursue that goal for so long. So what I wanted to ask you right now, Paul, is if we're all spirit beings having a human experience this time around in this form, Let's talk about your legacy. Everybody's going to remember you for Paul Henderson, the hockey player, scoring the goal of the century. How do you want to be remembered for, and what is the legacy that you want to leave? Well, well, Eleanor and I pray this all the time, that if we could have one prayer answered, that we would be an unbroken line of people that would love the Lord until he would return. And so from our roots, that we would be, now we have three daughters, now we've got three son-in-laws, and now we got seven grandchildren. And at this point, everybody uh, loves the Lord, walks with the Lord. So we uh, were hoping that would be the legacy. And so we, they all know that. I pray for that each and every day. But along with that, I would want my wife to know that she was really loved and cherished and cared for. My children would know that, uh, uh, that I tried to bring them up in a manner worthy for 
of them and was there for them all the time, my grandchildren. My friends would uh, say, now, Henny was a great friend. He was there for me. And so those are the things that I would really like to, that's the legacy that I would like to leave behind, a godly world change agent. And uh, the Lord at some point might say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I love that. Um, before we go, I want to actually get into one real uh, piece of mind-changing ability, and that's the agent of forgiveness. Oh, yeah. And so forgiveness is, is, is something that I think most people actually misconstrue. They think that forgiveness is earned versus forgiveness is just given without cause or agenda. So that way the impact is off you as the person so you can not have that person live in your, your head for rent free. So I want to talk to you a little bit about forgiveness. And there's a story in your book about Harold Ballard. So I thought we'd start with that one as well. But what was forgiveness for you, Paul? And how did you get there? Well, I, I, I just I hated the man with a passion. I blamed him for uh, decimating our team, and uh, you know a lot of guys jumped to the WHA, and I mean we couldn't compete with the other teams. In fact, I got so sick of him, I jumped also. But I was harboring this bitterness in my heart, and my mentor John Bradford really says, Paul, he said, uh, God uh, says that He'll forgive you as you forgive others, and you have got to forgive the man and. I said, oh, God will forgive him. Somebody's got to hate him. It'll be me. And uh, he said, you know, Paul, that's, it hinders your relationship with the Lord. He says, Paul, what I'd recommend, you write him a letter. I, I was living in Birmingham, playing for the Birmingham Bulls, and of course then. And so he made me, uh, or he didn't make me, but he really, really strongly encouraged me to write him a letter and confess the things that I'd said about him and ask for his forgiveness. And he says, Paul, forgiveness is not forgetting. You can't forget, but you can forgive. And so he said, it will be therapeutic for you. And so I wrote down, I sat down and I wrote a letter to Harold. And I told him of the things that, you know, I said a lot of bad things about him and that, but I was ashamed of that now. And I asked him to forgive me. Uh, I apologized for the way I'd been and what I've said. And I asked him to forgive me. And I wrote the letter, and John was smart enough to tell me, Paul, you prob probably will not hear back from him. If he's the person I think you, you've described, you probably won't hear back from him. But that's not your responsibility, Paul. Your responsibility is to forgive him. And, you know, I wrote that letter, and I can almost feel my stomach muscles just relax because I'd harbored that in there, but I knew that I was free of him. And uh, John would say, you know, Paul, you're harboring this business, you know, all this uh, anger against him, and he's probably not even thinking about you, and he, you're, you're holding yourself as a prisoner. And so, I, I, honest to goodness, I just I can't tell you the relief I felt after I signed my name to that letter. I knew it was over, and he would never hold me hostage again, and he hasn't, because I totally forgave him, and I was free of it. And using that muscle with Harold Ballard... Moving forward, was that the beginning point for you to actually live rent-free and have other people live rent-free in your in your head? Well, for sure. There's no question about it. You get rid of, you know, like I think it was Lou Smeds wrote, uh, uh, to to have anger in your heart against someone is to, is to like drinking poison and hoping that you're gonna it's gonna kill the other person. Yeah. And he said you're a prisoner when you don't forgive and. You know, to forgive someone is to set the prisoner free and recognize that you are the prisoner. And that's exactly what, you, you know, I knew that I was a prisoner to all those crazy things. 
and totally lost it. And uh, and I harbor, I can tell you right now, I harbor no, I don't think I'm offside with anybody in the world right now in terms of holding any grudge or anything against them. And it, it just frees you up to live freely. So tell me, within, we got another minute left before we uh, have to head up to another break, but what's next for you right now in your chapter as well? You, you turn 72 years old on September the 28th, uh, so happy birthday to you as well. But what's next for you? Uh, I'm just going to continue what I've been doing for the last 30 years. I have no desire to uh, retire. I've got no desire to buy a, a place in Florida and spend my winters down there golfing. Now, I'd like to get away a couple of times and golf a little bit, but... I fully intend to, like, I can't imagine retiring. I, I just, uh, I have all kinds of opportunities to do so many neat things, and, uh, and uh, but I'm, uh, I'm not, I've made one really great discovery, I'll tell you, in the last couple of years. I'm not nearly as important as I used to think I am. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, I can say no, and my wife has got a lot of say in my schedule now, and so she... Uh, I used to go from morning to night, and uh, but she's taken over my schedule, and she's a lot smarter than I am. And she's, Paul, you're not doing this. This is too much, and you can do this. You can't. And so I wish I would have listened to her a lot earlier. And so I make time. Uh, I have a lot of time with the Lord each day, and uh, and uh, I think that's a reward for living this long. <laughs> and I agree with you. And, Paul, you know, I, I want to say that every time I get the chance to hear you speak at any charity events or wherever you're at, it always speaks right to my heart, and I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart right now just for taking the time to be on the show today. I mean, your story is, uh, in my book, uh, starts with the goal, but it's such a small aspect of what your legacy has been able to create. I think the goal was able to give you the platform to share your story of, of, of faith and God and, and courage in your life and give people the ability to see what's available for them in their life if they choose peace of mind, if they choose forgiveness, if they choose faith. And thank you for being a catalyst for that message, and I wish you well uh, in your journey. Thank you, boys. You have a great day. Thank you. And, that, and amazing, that little goal turned in, that big goal turned into a little spark that started something else. Started Absolutely. a fire. Monumental. Yeah. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. I'm listening up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. bit of Don Henley and Heart of the Matter. Oh, talking about forgiveness. Yeah. You know, uh, having Paul Henderson on my show, I've been trying to get him on the show for about two years now. And, you know, what a thrill it was just to have the man who scored the goal in uh, Game 8 against the Soviet Union in the Summit Series. Um, wow. I, like, and, and I mean, I'm just so glad that we get to talk about anything other than the goal. Which yeah. was, you know, nice that he scored the goal. Don't Everywhere else he goes, you know, no offense to other media, but they just want to talk about the goal. Yeah, and, and I, we, you know, I had no interest. There's so many other things I wanted to talk to Paul Henderson about rather than the silly goal that's been, well, like, like he said, he he's ridden for 42 years right now. So uh, really important, but I'm glad that we actually talked about um, things that really matter in life. It's down to a bit of research and reading a good book. Yeah, it is. If you get uh, the chance to pick up Paul Henderson's book, it's called The Goal of My Life. 
memoir with Roger Lajoie and forward by Ron Ellis. And it's worth every second you uh, want to be a hockey fan, you want to be a life fan. The book's got all of it. Cool. Catch up with Chuck uh, on Twitter at Chuck Basti, I believe. ChuckBasti.com. And the new Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. A lot of good stuff happening there, hockey stuff. Excited. Yep. Cool. Well, you'll join us again uh, when you hear us next week, next Tuesday at 8 p.m. You're listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. Thank you for spending time with Chuck in his world of infinite mojo. If you'd like to get in touch with Chuck or Todd, the email address is feedback at radiothatdoesntsuck.com or call the feedback line 866-269-6155.